0: well good morning thank you for coming out on such a cold foggy morning no one can ever accuse you of being fair weather Christians <laughs> David's right I, I had the pleasure of David uh, serving with us in Honduras um, it was a great trip and I serve regularly with David in uh, Clarkston Georgia and I'll talk about that a little more in a minute only in Atlanta and you have four inches of rain and tornado warnings on Thursday and snow on Saturday. Um, let me pray to get us started. Father, thank you for gathering us here this morning. Thank you for loving us so deeply. I ask your word will grab our hearts like never before this morning. We are your servants. Use us in extraordinary ways. Amen. I'm going to talk about being a missionary today. I want to do a quick survey before I get started. Raise your hand if you are a missionary. Raise your hand if you want to be a missionary. Raise your hand if you think being a missionary means living in a mud hut in Tanzania, Africa, trying to raise support nonstop so you have enough rice to eat that month. Okay? Okay. Let me allow allow me to introduce myself. My name is Nate Bernard. I've lived in Atlanta for 22 years. I've been attending Perimeter Church since 1999, been an elder there since about 2003. Uh, I am a licensed pastor in the PCA working on ordination. I've been married to my wife for 26 and a half years as of this Valentine's Day. Um, I met her when she was in 7th grade. And I was in eighth grade. It took me about 10 years to convince her that I was the man for her. (laughs) But persistence does pay off. Um, I have two daughters in college. I lived on the Mississippi Gulf Coast for 12 years prior to getting married. So if you detect any accent in my voice, that is why. It's actually a Louisiana accent, which makes no sense because I lived on the Mississippi coast. I've never lived in Louisiana for one day of my life. Um, But it is a curse. We go on these uh, mission trips to foreign countries, and sometimes I need two translators, one to translate from Louisiana to English and one to translate from English to Spanish or to Creole or wherever I am. I do serve as the director of the Christian Medical and Dental Association here in Atlanta. It's also known as CMDA. CMDA was established in 1931. We have over 19,000 members nationally and thousands more around the world. If anyone loves Jesus and loves providing health care, then we are the association for them. We are the intersection of health care and faith. And I have to say that I absolutely love my job. CMDA also does about 50 medical mission trips all over the world every year. And being a medical professional is helpful, but not necessary. We take non-medical professionals as well to help with logistics. The only criteria is that you love God and you love people. I spend much of my time with Christian medical and dental students in and around the Atlanta area. So... um, Every Monday at lunchtime I'm involved in a Bible study with PA students at Mercer here in Atlanta. Every Tuesday I'm at Emory meeting with medical students for a Bible study at lunch. Every Wednesday I'm at Morehouse School of Medicine. Every Thursday I'm at Philadelphia College of Osteopathic Medicine in Swanee. Once a month I go to Mercer School of Medicine in Macon and two Tuesday nights a month I make it to UGA to spend time with our undergrad pre-medical students we have there. And we're about to start a CMDA chapter at Georgia Tech for the pre-med program. As I said, um, we have a ministry in Clarkston, Georgia, where we partner with another organization to provide free medical care to refugees from all over the world. Clarkston, Georgia, is on the east side of the perimeter, just just past Stone Mountain. It is the most diverse square mile in America. And we provide free medical exams, free labs, free prescriptions, and physical therapy as well. And that is where I first met Dr. Haberchak. And yesterday, despite the cold and the snow, we still had uh, over 20, 20 patients come for healthcare yesterday. On a regular Saturday, we're only there from 9 to 1. We will see uh, anywhere from 40 to 50 patients. A lot of them with chronic illness, they, just, they keep coming back and seeing us continuously for their health care. We are their primary care providers. It is a great opportunity for them to see the hands of Christ, loving them, as a lot of them come from countries that are, would not be considered Christian countries. So it is truly a blessing to serve them. I also lead one week medical mission trips. Every year I go to El Salvador in March, the Dominican Republic in June, and Honduras in August. In 11 years, I'm sorry, in three years, since I've been with CMDA, I have been on 11 trips. So going to those three countries each year, I've also gone to Ecuador, uh, Peru, and one other place. Maybe that was it. Um, I am so glad to see that your church embraces missions, and you actually have this, this month dedicated to missions. So many churches are losing this vision for missions and are only token at best in supporting missions. So when we go on the medical mission trips, our goal is to bring primary care and dental care. But most importantly, we want to bring the gospel. In one week, which is about four and a half days for us, we will see over a thousand patients. In one of those weeks, we have had over a hundred people come to Christ. When you're meeting people in a vulnerable state, they're oftentimes more willing to hear about Jesus. All of our doctors, all of our doctors will pray with their patients on these trips. Just like Jesus did with the paralytic man in Matthew 9, we address their spiritual needs before we address their physical needs. When the patients come coming to the clinic, they go through registration. After registration, they have to hear the gospel before they go to triage. And we have local people from our church partners set up to pray with them if they want to go further than just hearing the gospel. I want to show you a short video clip from our El Salvador trip last year. They have socialized medicine in El Salvador. Socialized medicine does not work very well in El Salvador. Many people do not go to the doctors. And even though you can walk into a drugstore and buy almost any prescription you can think of over the counter, the people cannot afford the medicine. Our translators are high school students from a local Christian uh, high school. They are bilingual, thank goodness. Um, You'll see them in this video. They'll be wearing uh, white and burgundy uh, shirts. You'll see a few doctors talking with patients as part of their exam. Um, You'll see some of our medical and nursing students here from Atlanta and actually from all over the country on this trip with us as well. Keep in mind, we see over 1,000 patients in four and a half days, so it will look a little bit busy. Of clip.
1: Let me be filled with kindness and compassion for the one the one in whom you love and gave yourself for humanity. Increase my love. Help me. To You formed us, you made us care
0: So, another beauty of these trips is even though they are short term trips, we go back to the same place every year and we serve with the same people. So, we build relationships with these translators. Now, they will roll off because they'll go on to college. Uh, But with the church partners we have there, we're able to build a relationship. And everyone who comes to Christ during this medical clinic, their information is given to the church so that the church can follow up with them. All of our medical clinics are outreaches for our church partners there in the countries where we serve. So that is the goal, is to bring people into the clinic and then get them into the church as well. Every trip I lead, I remind our team that only by the grace of God are we there to serve these people instead of us waiting to be served by someone else. That's the only difference. Only by the grace of God are we going to serve instead of someone else coming to serve us. Most of what we see is simple primary care, acute infections, rashes, digestive issues, um, headaches, muscle aches, joint aches. And I have to be honest, and Dr. Haberchak could probably testify to this, a lot of people will come to the clinic with a made up problem just because they wanted to see an American doctor. And we love them just the same. On every one of these trips, we always encounter something we do not expect. Um, Last year in Honduras, we had a 38-year-old man walked into our clinic. His breath smelled like 100% acetone. He was in a state called diabetic ketoacidosis. He didn't even know he had diabetes. After diabetic ketoacidosis comes a diabetic coma. So we had to get him to the emergency room um, ASAP. We also had a young mother, brought her um, about a 19 month baby into the clinic. And we had a nurse practitioner from here in Marietta on the trip with us and she saw this child and she said, we need to call an ambulance. I said, what is wrong? she said, this baby has severe pneumonia and will not live long. So we called an ambulance, the hospital was an hour away, and we prayed for that child to make it. And by the grace of God, that baby is still alive. And the man with ketoacidosis, diabetic ketoacidosis, he is doing well. He is now under the care of a local doctor. So whenever we Uh, encounter patients that need more than just a simple primary visit we connect them with local doctors so they will have follow-up. In the Dominican Republic we had a man with an external hernia come to the clinic which can be uh, life-threatening and he said he hadn't gotten surgery because he couldn't afford it so um, that doctor paid for his surgery through our church partner. so Because we always want the people to see they're being cared for by the church, not American doctors. So that doctor gave money to the church to pay for his surgery so he could get it like in the next couple of days, which he did. Um, We try to look like Jesus. We know Jesus was the healer. God is called Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. We have no idea the total number of people that Jesus healed in the Bible, it's not recorded. We do have 38 miracles recorded. 71% of those miracles was Jesus healing physical problems alone. We also know he raised four people from the dead, the fourth one being himself. He healed the lame, the blind, the deaf, and the mute. I think one of my favorite um, miracles where Jesus healed someone in the Bible was, uh, was actually Malchus, the servant of Caiaphas, who was with the party that came to the garden that night to get Jesus, and Peter took out his knife and whacked off the man's ear. And Jesus bent over and picked up his ear and put it back on, just like Mr. Potato Head. Now, for those of you who don't understand the Mr. Potato Head reference, you're going to have to Google that, you young folks. So of all those people that hauled Jesus off that night, I promise you, that man believed in Jesus. I know a man who was in a terrible car wreck when he was 20 years old. Due to the traumatic brain injury that he sustained, he was unable to walk for four months. He had terrible memory problems. He was a junior in college, and he had forgot almost everything he had learned back to his junior year in high school. He had total double vision, and he stuttered terribly. Four months after the wreck, the doctors told him that he would never be able to walk without a cane and that he would never be able to run again, despite having played on two state championship baseball teams as a pitcher and a catcher. Never at the same time, of course. And he also was the most valuable defensive player in football his senior year. And when the doctors told him that, that he would never walk without a cane and that he would never run again and that he would never be able to finish college, they were absolutely right. But you see, they had no idea Jesus was going to show up the way he did. That young man went on to walk. He doesn't walk with a cane today. Um, He's run at least two 10Ks. He finished college on academic scholarship, and he went on to get three master's degrees. His last master's degree was a Master of Divinity. I know, because I'm that man. Jesus did, in my life, what no doctor could have possibly done. Why did Jesus heal so many people? Immediately, it was out of the mercy to relieve their current situation. Eternally, it was for the gospel to go forth and to glorify the Father. We see this in John 9, verses 1 through 3. As he went along, he saw a man born blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. Then Jesus proceeds to heal the blind man. I encourage you to go back and read this account, John chapter 9 again. I think it is some of the most amazing dialogue in the Bible, by far. Healing people is also to show that Jesus was the Messiah the Old Testament prophets spoke of. Isaiah 35, 4-6 says, Be strong, do not fear, your God will come. He will come with vengeance, with divine retribution. He will come to save you. Then will the eyes of the blind be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then the lame will leap like a deer and the mute tongue shout for joy. Of the recorded miracles of physical healings that we see in the Bible, Jesus healed blindness the most. God uses physical blindness to metaphorically represent a much worse human condition, that being spiritual blindness. Last year, we had an optometrist, an eye doctor, join us in the Dominican Republic. Now, we give out reading glasses on every trip, but we've never had the opportunity to give out prescription glasses. This was a huge blessing. Let me introduce Anna to you. This is Anna, an eight-year-old Haitian young girl in the Dominican Republic. You can see her right eye was severely crossed and has been like that since birth. So, you can see her continence, and this is how she was when she came into the clinic. She had no joy. This little girl lives in shame because she's ridiculed and teased, as you might imagine. You have to see this. Play the, play the video, please.
1: There's a wideness in God's mercy, I cannot find in my. It keeps this fire burning to melt this heart of stone. keeps me aching with the yearning. keeps me glad to have been caught in the reckless raging fury that they call the love of God. Now I've seen no band of
0: angels. Look at the difference. Look at the difference. When I first saw this unedited video in the Dominican Republic, I was shouting for joy because I was convinced this was an absolute miracle that her eye straightened out like it did. And the optometrist said, No, actually I see this about once a month.
1: <laughs>
0: and I was like, Really? And then he went on to explain, well, it has to do with the eye and the focus, and when you put the glasses on the eye focuses and whatever he has to, else he had to say. But the, here's the miracle. So the glasses that we brought down, there were glasses that had been donated, and we, uh, they re- remeasured them so we knew what prescriptions we had. Uh, the Lions Club donated some glasses. The miracle was that we had her prescription, first of all, and that was an acute pair of glasses for her. So how much do you think her life has been changed? by a simple pair of glasses. So as soon as we got back, the optometrist made another pair of cute glasses for her and we sent them down with the next team going to the Dominican Republic and they're held to the church. So if anything ever happens to her glasses, she can go to the church and her community and tell the pastor and the pastor will get the other pair of glasses. So we want to have as much of a continuum of care as we can with these people that we see. Now, the optometrist and his wife who went on this trip were 73 years old. This was the first mission trip they had ever done. They had financially supported many people going on a mission trips, but they had never gone. And they went on this trip with us. 108 Haitians can now see because they went on this trip. Dr. Darna's wife said that they, they truly wish they had gone on a medical mission trip decades before. They will be with us again this year in the Dominican Republic, God willing. They do have some health issues. But I do expect that they will be with us again. I heard an ophthalmologist said there was more nearsightedness in New York City than any other. He suggested it was because they lived their lives surrounded by such tall buildings that they don't have the opportunity to see far. Sometimes we as Christians can be so focused on the immediacy of our small domain that we lose sight of the world around us. Luke tells us in chapter 10, verses 1 and 2, After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent, sent, them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. The 72 disciples were willing to follow him. Like the 12, they were ordinary men chosen for extraordinary tasks we too are ordinary people chosen for extraordinary tasks. There's so much work to be done outside the walls of our churches. If sanctification leads us to be more Christ-like, then we should all be involved in missions of some sort because Jesus himself spent three years on mission. If you are a Christian, you are a missionary. You can be on mission with me in Central America, in Clarkston, Georgia, or right here in East Cobb. The harvest is truly plentiful, and the the workers are quite few. So being a missionary doesn't necessarily mean You need to live the rest of your life in a mud hut in Tanzania, Africa, although a friend of mine and his wife do. Webster defines a missionary as a person sent on a mission, particularly of the religious nature. According to that definition and what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, 18 through 21, you are a missionary. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ. Listen to this. Who gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciled to the world to himself in Christ. Not counting people's sins against them. And he committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore, listen to this, Christ's ambassadors. A.K.A. missionaries. As though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf. Be reconciled to God. God made Him, who had no sin, to be sin for us, so that we might become the righteousness of God. You see, everyone is one of two things: they're either a missionary or a mission field. There is no other. Christ is not intended, I'm sorry, Christianity is not intended to be a spectator sport. The Holy Spirit equips us before sending us. Let's look at 2 Timothy three sixteen and 17. All scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that, so that the servant of God, that's us, may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. The church is also here to equip us. Paul tells us in Ephesians 4, 11 and 12, and he, God, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers for what? To equip the saints. Who's that? That's us. For the work of ministry, for building up, the body of Christ. We get equipped by reading and studying the word and by being taught and trained by teachers in the church. The truth is we are all commanded to be on mission. If we look at Matthew 28, 18, and 20, we see... Then Jesus came to them, his disciples, by the way, we are his disciples, and said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, do what? Go. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Did you get that last part? To the very end of the age. We are to have a lifestyle of being on mission. It's not just a box to check. We are all commanded to go. He calls us, he equips us, then he sends us. If you were the owner of the Atlanta Falcons, would you invest in a player? that you knew would never help the team? Wait a minute, that might be a bad example. (laughs) That's not a good example. (laughs) Of course not. So why, why would Jesus invest in us if he did not expect us to help grow the kingdom? Being a Christian is not a spectator sport. We have to get in the game. Sometimes you get dirty. Most of the time it gets pretty messy. Sometimes you get hurt by others. It's all worth it. Sharing in the victory of Christ is oh so sweet. That little girl right there her life was forever changed by Christians who went there and loved her and God provided the glasses that we needed for her. I love this verse in 1 Thessalonians 2.8. Because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. You see, that's what we do on these mission trips. Surely we could take all the money that we save up and spend to go on these mission trips and send down there, and someone down there could provide them with medical care. I still don't think the, med- I don't, I still don't think the medical care they receive at the doctor's office down there is as good as the medical clinic they receive in a school that our doctors provide. I will say that, but we could send money down there instead, but we don't, we go, we go down there to share our lives as well, we go down there to show them the love of Christ, we are the hands of Christ, we are the love of Christ Christ. We do go to serve the least, the lost, and the last. Remember, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. If you feel you need more equipping, you have great resources available here to you at Eastside. Uh, East Cobb Presbyterian Church. I'd recommend taking Express Your Faith, which is a, a seminar given a couple times a year. Uh, I know at Perimeter, they may do it over here as well. Um, and getting involved in life-on-life life missional discipleship. Mission is right there in the name. Life-on-life life missional discipleship. So I encourage you to get equipped and Go. Don't let Satan lie to you and tell you that this is not for you. Because this is for you. I know, because I used to believe that lie. My wife first went on a mission trip before I did, and she was going to Thailand. And she said, Why don't you join me in going on this trip to Thailand? And I said, What are you going to do in Thailand? And she said, well, we're collecting eyeglasses from all these people, and we're going to bring them over there and give them to people. And I said, so I'm going to ask somebody to give me $2,300 so I can go on this trip to Thailand so I can bring a box of used glasses to give away? Surely UPS is more efficient. And so I was hard-headed and wouldn't go. She went. She went. But when I finally quit listening to The Evil Woman and I went on a mission trip, it was incredible. And now I will never stop going to medical mission trips uh, or mission trips in general. I've been to Albania, um, I've been to Belize, I've been to the places I I mentioned. I've been to Thailand three times, Singapore twice, I've actually been on one mission trip to Kentucky. I actually think the language barrier in Kentucky was as difficult as any of the other language barriers I've encountered around the world. And it was hard to find a translator in Kentucky to figure out that the lady kept trying to tell me about a bar, and I was saying, this is a dry county. She was talking about a bear. Um, Anyways, I do encourage you to get equipped and go. This is a calling from God not a calling from me. It's a calling from God. Let me pray. Thank you, Lord, for calling us to be your ambassadors. What a huge blessing and responsibility. You said the harvest is plentiful and the workers are few. Father, please send out workers into your harvest field right here from East Cobb Presbyterian Church. And I pray you will continue to change our hearts so that we will be We will be on mission as a lifestyle and not a box we check off. In your son's master's name, amen.